Hey everyone, and welcome back yet again to the Warrior Monk Podcast. I'm your host, Lance, and on this episode, I have a friend of mine, a mentor, a former Air Force supervisor of mine, and we're discussing something on the podcast I think is of great importance, and that's fatherhood, but also mentorship, and something uh, even more important, I think, that we will get into discussing, but something that's missing from modern day society, and that is rite of passage. Now, we know from many cultures throughout previous centuries that a rite of passage was uh, something that was very great for boys coming into manhood to test themselves as well as give a symbolic presentation of that transforming, of that going from being a boy to being a man. And I know this is something that's become more popular here in the last couple years, and there are a lot of organizations that seem to be sprouting up that I see on social media and elsewhere uh, with prior military guys, law enforcement guys, uh, creating a safe but challenging space for boys to kind of work into this, step into this place of manhood. So my guest Joe is going to be speaking more to this and specifically how he's set up his own rite of passage for his sons. And I don't want to steal his thunder, so I'm going to let him get around to telling his story and what he's done as a father. But before we do, I do want to say, if you have been a fan of the Warrior Monk podcast, if you have enjoyed previous episodes, if you listen to this episode and find that you enjoy it, I invite you to go over to www.patreon.com forward slash WM Podcast. That's the letter W, the letter M Podcast. And there you can find our support page. For each tier in the support, you'll get a little different gift from us, whether that's a sticker pack of Warrior Monk stickers, uh, PVC vinyl morale pouch, as well as t-shirts. So if you've enjoyed the content from this podcast and you're inclined to uh, give and support, we'd really appreciate it. It's going to help more Warrior Monk podcasts come in the future. 2023 is a new year. 2022 did not end up being a huge content year for me. So I do apologize for anybody out there that's been frustrated me for the lack of content that's come out from the Warrior Monk podcast. But I've been very busy with career transition, taking on a new job, as well as moving back and forth actually twice across the country. So um, it's been a busy year for me, but I am excited to finally get this episode out. It's long overdue, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. So, without further ado, here is my interview with Joe Stapp on Rite of Passage. Hey everyone, welcome back yet again to the Warrior Monk Podcast, and I've got a pretty cool guest today, and I'm actually excited because this is the first time, I think, in over a year that I'm doing a live, in-person, face-to-face podcast episode. Uh, Podcasting has changed a lot over the past year or so, but especially due to COVID and more and more people not interacting with each other face-to-face. So today I've got Joe Stapp. Uh, he's actually my supervisor, uh, a fellow uh, OG dagger, we'll say, a fellow security forces guy and a fellow combat aviation advisor. So he's interested in getting in the podcasting world. He's got a lot to say. He's an interesting guy. So Joe, thanks for coming on the podcast and reaching out to me to make it happen. No, hey, I appreciate it. This is pretty exciting. I have uh, kind of want to see how this thing comes together and but, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, gave a little bit of an introduction to you, but uh, if you don't mind, can you talk a little bit to uh, 
to yourself and uh, kind of uh, where you're from and kind of any kind of intro you want to give to yourself as far as the, the kind of dude you are. Okay. Well, um, it's always kind of odd oh, yeah. talking about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, no, as a Navy brat growing up, dad was uh, dad was Navy. Uh, he was a deck ape, as they used to say, a, mm-hmm. uh, a bosun's mate. So I grew up uh, mainly West Coast uh, and then uh, out in Guam quite a bit and then mm-hmm. a little stint out in North Chicago. So I uh, moved every three years, roughly. So uh, I think that's what makes me a pretty good CAA is the fact that uh, we were always up and moving around and adjusting to different situations, different cultures, different, uh, different environments. So uh, I guess I have a predisposition to advising, Yeah, I'd, I'd sure. like to think. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I'm a bit of an anomaly in that uh, I, uh, I joined the Navy Reserve back in 1990. Okay, I didn't know that. <laughs> um, so I, I did that back in 1990 as a, as a so, uh, sonar tech, surface warfare. Did a couple uh, hitches on a couple of ships, uh, one that was local out of Mobile, the Jesse L. Brown, one out of, uh, for you Navy types, uh, 32nd Street uh, out of San Diego, the mm-hmm. USS Cook. Um, outside of that, half, my, you know, half the time was on, on uh, you know, a ship. Mm-hmm. The other half of the time was with the, uh, what we call the, the Green Navy. Mm-hmm. So I worked with uh, uh, MU units, Mobile Intro Undersea Warfare. And uh, in a nutshell, we'd have like a truck container that we could set up on a dock or on a, on a coastline. And uh, I would run sono buoys with either a Zodiac that we had or we'd hook up with the, uh, they're called SWICs now, but they used, back in the day, uh, used to be called special boat units. Mm-hmm. So we'd hook up with those guys and go for a ride dropping sono buoys off the back. Very know. cool. Yeah, it was. It was, uh, yeah, it was coastal security. Um, yeah. So. Did that for till 95 and then wanted to actually go active duty, but I had this thing about wanting to jump out of airplanes. And so I ended up going uh, airborne infantry into the uh, active army and uh, got stationed at the 6th RTB, six, uh, the 6th Ranger Training Battalion down here at Eglin, which what ultimately brought us to the area. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd gotten married, you know, back in 93. So, uh, yeah, so... My wife was not happy when I told her we were going active <laughs> army, but being the good wife she is, she just went ahead and just said, hey, okay. So uh, we ended up here, had uh, got out in 99, figured we'd take a shot at civilian life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't do too hot. Did uh, did some time working in a uh, Department of Juvenile Justice, working with troubled youths in a level 10 facility. Challenging, yeah. to say the least. Yeah, I wish uh, I might have done more damage than good oh, knowing no. what I know now. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't, yeah, I, I didn't know any better. So uh, the towers went down, obviously yeah. 9-11. And I looked at my wife and said, hey, you know, we need to, we need to go back in. So uh, had uh, a bunch of my 11 Bravo buddies that had stayed in the area had joined up with a reserve unit out of Dukefield. And they're like, hey, you know, they're pretty squared away. It's all under AVSOC, so um, you'll love it. And uh, so I went ahead and was back in the military by November of, uh, of that year. So it took me two months to get back in the military after the towers went mm-hmm. down. Um, did my first hitch. Uh, well, I went, came in for EOD um, and uh, had my interview. The guy said, hey, great, I'll take you. And you had to have a, a TS uh, going in, but they were letting guys through on interim TSs. Mm-hmm. Well, they had some kind of 
uh, stuff that was going on, and they said, hey, no more interim TSs. The guys have to have a hard TS to go through the school. So that for any for anybody from not military community, you had to have a top secret security clearance. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, that's Acronyms. okay. Well, yeah, hit me on that one. Well, well, well we're both <laughs> going to be guilty of it, so I'll try to, I'll try to hash them out for the non-military uh, listeners. Right. So, uh, so basically, um, you know, they were saying, hey, you know, at the time that the top secret clearances, the investigations were – we're going to take over a year because they were so backlogged. Wow. And uh, so I told my told my boss, hey, that basically just means I'm just you know, going to do bitch work around the squadron for the next year. I don't want to do that. Where mm-hmm. can I go? And uh, shout out to Stoney Bilbo. He's retired now. Um, if he happens to be listening to this at some point in time. He did. He said, hey, let me, uh, let me go and introduce you to the, uh, to the security forces, Bubba's. So I don't know if that was a good thing, you know, or uh, we're going to assume it's good. Um, I mean, after being an 11 Brav, after being an infantry guy, it couldn't have been that much worse of a world. Oh, yeah. I mean, from there, everything, everything is uphill. <laughs> so, um, so I went ahead and, uh, and linked up with those cats. And so my first assignment as a mandate bum, uh, basically just being a reservist on full-time active duty orders, was with the uh, 23rd STS. And that was uh, – that was cool because that was when everybody was finding out uh, what special tactics was. Mm-hmm. And that was fascinating because you got guys, um, um, you know, I'm, well, he's retired too now, Bart Decker, one of the, uh, one of the guys that was uh, the horse soldier, you know, the picture, mm-hmm. that, that the iconic picture of the, of the guy on the horse, yeah. Air Force Combat Controller. You don't see that in the movie. They just say, right. hey, they're all – yeah, all army cats. Ar- the like, army yeah. didn't didn't hit it. If anybody out there saw the movie, you need to go back and read the book because it's a way better interpretation oh. of what happened. But. Yeah, absolutely. But so that was that was the heyday when those guys were were I guess finally being realized as to hey, Air Force has got you know special operators too, mm-hmm. and uh, they really made a name for themselves. So it was it was cool vicariously living through those cats because yeah. I was there. I hadn't even been through Security Forces Academy yet, <laughs> and I was there as a CADM guy. Right. Um, what got me the job was they figured, hey, coming out of the, the Ranger Training Battalion, which is, let me be clear, that's not associated with regiment. Right. So a lot of guys, I want to make sure that's, that's uh, delineated. But uh, they figured, hey, yeah, you'll be a good shoe-in with those guys. So it's like, hey, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Plus, I'd run the armory, um, and we had foreign weapons and all that right. out there at the camp. So. They're like, go run their armory, and then we'll eventually get you through the through the academy, and then we'll get you through, uh, you know, through academy school, you know. And uh, so anyway, I got to be there, um, watching these guys deploy and all the amazing things that they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that for a few years till I actually got a full time slot uh, as an air reserve technician in 2004, and they took me in as a as a training guy at the, uh, I mean. Keep in mind, I'd been there as a traditional reservist the whole time mm-hmm. at the 919th Security Forces. Uh, but it was uh, finally a full-time gig, which I needed. I had, at that point, three boys, you know, um, with a fourth one on the way. Mm-hmm. So uh, so I ended up getting that job, being in art. I think six months into it, the senior art up and retired. So promotion was pretty quick. I went from uh, a GS-7 to a GS-9 in six months. And that came with a promotion from E5 to E6. Um, and then, I kid you not, a year later, I probably had three years of just raise after raise after raise. Because then they offered us AGR tours. It's a good problem to have. It was. It was. Uh, 
probably should have planned my finances a bit better. <laughs> but when you've got a large family like ours, sure. every uh, you know every nickel and dime counts. Yeah. But I uh, ended up becoming. Uh, they gave us AGR. They promoted us to GS tens, and then they said, "Hey, do you want to be active duty E seven? And I'm like, "Yeah, of course." Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so I became an AGR, active guard reserve. For those that don't know what that is. Um, uh, and then, yeah, and then Dagger started coming around, or the the um, the thoughts of what Dagger, the concepts of what Dagger would be started right. brewing, probably uh, under General uh, Donnie Worcester, mm-hmm. um, who was the AVSOC commander, the three-star at the time. He started uh, developing plans for this whole Dagger concept with, right. uh, with Colonel Runquist mm-hmm. uh, that some people are familiar with out there. Um, and yeah, so did Dagger in 2007, uh, hung out, continued to hang out with security forces up until about uh, 2010, got tired of just doing a lot of desk work. Yeah. Because I mean, hey, when you're the, 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 the senior AGR, that's what you're going to be doing for the most part. Um, wanted to become a sensor operator, so I went ahead and jumped into uh, doing RPA work, remotely piloted mm-hmm. aircraft, so I did... Uh, did sensor work with the MQ-1 and then with the MQ-9. Um, and then in 2016, went ahead and put in a package to become a combat aviation advisor or CAA. And then, uh, yeah, so the rest, I guess, to some degree is history right. from that point <laughs> as far as the military goes. Yeah. Very cool, man. I, I had no idea that you started off in the Navy. So that's uh, you pretty much you've pretty much checked every box except having a tour in the Marine Corps. So <laughs> Yeah, I'll... Uh, <laughs> you know that was actually my my first uh, my first choice, and I'm a self-professing mama's boy. Okay, so I went ahead it's and good uh, to self-identify. I, it, it is, it is. Um, so in 1990, my old man was uh, he was on a Westpac, um, and he was uh, he was out at sea. And I went and I saw the Marine recruiter, mm-hmm. and uh, so the Marine recruiter had an Anglico slot. And for the for the Air Force types that are out there, uh, Anglico. It's, I mean, you talk about a long acronym, Aerial Naval Gunnery Liaison Company, Okay. I think is what it is. So basically, you're a TAC-P for, a, uh, for the Marine Corps. Okay. Um, so I had one of those slots, and the guy told me, he says, hey, I need you to commit on this quick, because these are going to go, this job's going to go fast. So I uh, went home and told my mother. I was, just, I was a freshman in college, and she went nuts because she'd had a bunch of friends that had gotten killed in Vietnam. Yeah, sure. And mothers always assumed the worst, so she begged me, hey, wait till your dad gets home. That way that, that recruiter doesn't lie to you. Uh-huh. And I'm like, all right, all right. <laughs> so sure enough, dad gets home like two months later. We go back to the recruiter, and, and the guy tells me, he says, hey, I told you flat out this was going to go yeah. quick. Here's the options I got for you. You can either be a tank driver or you can uh, you can flip hamburgers. He didn't say it that way, but, but in essence, that's what it was. And it's like the globe and anchor would be cool, but not so cool to flip burgers, and not so or cool to be riding in a tin can. Yeah, <laughs> smelling diesel fume f- uh, diesel fumes for oh, the rest yeah. of your life. Shout out to those cats, though. I oh, mean, absolutely. I, I love the core. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, just not enough to do that. Yeah. Cool, so. man. Well, I appreciate you sharing your your more of your backstory because it gives me a little more insight into. I know you're you're a well-learned and well-experienced guy who's been around the block more than once, but uh, I, I always appreciate hearing hearing people tell it from their from their point of view too. So, 
Um, you, you mentioned, you know, uh, having having three boys, having another one on the way. You're you're a big family guy. You're 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 a serious dad. Um, and we all we all wear a lot of hats, but I know for you that dad hat for you is probably one of the most important ones, if not maybe the most the most important one, which I guess goes simultaneous with a husband hat. But um, yeah, you you've got a lot of you've got a lot of kids, and you're and you're <laughs> continuing to influence young people around you, myself included. Um, but yeah, tell me a little bit about about being a dad and and what you've got going on for your family. Well, I appreciate it, and as a host, I think you're being pretty darn gracious, because <laughs> my kids, uh, yeah, they might have a they might have another perspective that's not <laughs> as flattering. Um, so I grew up an only child, yeah. And, and I tell you what, I'll be honest with you, it sucks. Only children, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> one <okay>. two, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so shout out to everybody out there who's thinking that they only want to have one kid. Don't do that to uh, them. Okay. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, maybe your perspective is different. Um, no, I mean. I had cousins that were that were close in age and were around, but uh, I mean, I, I turned out pretty normal for for an yeah. only child. Well, let's, <laughs> most people are like, "Oh, you're an only child. You seem so normal." Thanks. Yeah. I'll take it as a compliment. <laughs> My wife points out all the time because she had uh, two sisters, and she's like, "Yeah, that's an only child type thing." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Really, babe?" <laughs> anyway, it was a lo- you know, it, it was lonely growing up. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, probably had a mom that was a little bit more overprotective than what she should have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I did have a good father uh, to balance that out and to kind of keep her at bay, at least when he was home and not, you know, out at sea. But, uh, but yeah, so I always knew I wanted to have a big family. Uh, my wife, Mary, when we got together, um, I know that she, uh, you know, she had expressed, you know, having, uh, having a lot of kids. Uh, and we also, a big part of that, and she said, later on that this was a, uh, a make it or break moment or mm-hmm. make or break moment. Um, I had expressed her that, Hey, I also wanted at some point to adopt. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was something that she was looking for in a guy. So, uh, so yeah, so we ended up getting married. Um, and we waited probably about, I think, uh, it ended up being about two years before we started having, having kiddos, almost three years. Um, so we had, uh, we had four boys initially, um, and then I ended up getting a, uh, I ended up getting, getting snipped cause I was done. She was not. And she told me, Hey, please don't do this guys. Listen to your wives. Okay. Yeah. Be nice. And I'm like, no, no, we, this is over. <laughs> We're done. Um, so we had four boys at that point in time, um, crammed in a 1200 square foot house. Right. Uh, and so it was uh, a constant melee. Yeah. Um, but it was fun. It was cool. Um, Watching the paradigm, you know, watching how, how the boys are growing up and how they interact with each other, uh, it was cool because I, I had never had that. And, and, you know, they always talk about, just like you and me, hey, iron sharpens iron. Yep. When we go out on a field exercise or if we're training or whatever, having guys together, just we just hone each other. Mm-hmm. And I could see how those boys working together, working against each other more <laughs> often than not, how, uh, how it was shaping and molding them, basically into a bunch of savages. It was just a matter of kind of guiding it in the right direction, if sure, you will. Sure, sure. Uh, but anyway, we had, the, we had, we had, had that, um, you know, the, uh, gosh, at this age, I tend, I tend to brain dump words. I'd had the vasectomy. Yeah. We got a reversal. And I, surely at that point, I thought we'd, have, we'd start having girls. Uh, this is like two years after the fact, I think. I get a reversal, and we ended up having two more boys. So that's all me and my wife are good at is making boys. 
Um, well, it's your fault, te- technically, <laughs> it you know, is, from a biological is. perspective. I should have so. wrote a couple more radars <laughs> or, or something or, or played with the radio more. <laughs> yeah, something. But um, during that period of time, you know, when I was, when I was getting a reversal, we were, we were in the midst of doing our first adoption. Mm-hmm. We adopted a little girl out of, uh, out of Ethiopia. Um, and I tell you what, it was, it was so different. The first time we were in Addis Ababa at the orphanage. And they handed a nine-month, you know, a nine-month, you know, baby girl to my wife, and uh, and then she handed her to me, and it just was drenched with princess. When yeah. she started crying, it was like holy cow! <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't a savage knuckle dragger type of holler. Dynamic, it was. I mean, yeah. it was amazing. Uh, so I was I was hooked. Yeah, uh, you know, um, and so after that we we had boy number, you know. Yeah, not everything that happens in, in Addis Ababa stays in Addis Ababa. <laughs> so uh, about nine months later, we had we had our, our fifth boy, mm-hmm. um, Gabriel. Um, and then about a year and a half after that, we had our sixth son. Um, and then uh, after that, we ended up uh, adopting a little girl uh, from China, special needs. So... We ended up, uh, yeah, so we ended up, what's that number? I don't do public math. That's eight. Six, seven, eight, yeah. Yeah, it's eight. So, uh, and then, you know, as, as time progresses, you know, the two oldest boys, you know, got older, mm-hmm. left the house, got married. They each have two kids now, so I've got four grandbabies. Um, and we've embarked on on some foster care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're looking at a, a sibling group that we're going to, uh, that we obviously f- Family reunification is the goal anytime you're doing sure. foster care. Sure. Um, but I don't think things are working out too well with uh, with Mama, so I think we'll end up hopefully adopting this sibling group. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's two more boys and two more girls, wow. sibling group of four, yeah. And so then we'll round it out at 12 and we'll be done. I, I say we're going to be done, but, uh, you know, God will make that determination. Sure. You know. Where, where does that, that drive come from with you and, and your wife, too? I mean, like you guys have such a big biological family to, to just keep reaching out and, and try to bring more of these kids into your life. I think, I think when you have a large family, to add a couple more doesn't matter. Mm. You've already got the logistics down. Not by – I don't get credit for that by any means. My wife Mary does. Yeah. Um, so she's got the logistics down. I just go ahead and say, hey, yeah, all right, babe, let's go. Okay. And uh, and so it's it's not that far of a reach. Um, for those of your for those of your audience that are that are you know individuals of faith, it flat out says in James that true true religion is this that you take care of the orphan and the widow in their time of need. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, so that's a lot of what drives us is uh, is our faith requires us to to reach out for those people that are in need and we're equipped having been, you know, having had a large family, we're equipped to, uh, to take on, you know, some added kiddos and hopefully make their situation better. Yeah. You know, or at least provide them for a home, provide them with a, with a, with a stable family structure and provide them with a, with a whole lot of love and yeah. So, yeah. Not everybody's as fortunate as us. We try we try to fill the gap the best we can. If that makes sense. I mean, yeah, just I, I can't imagine. I mean, uh, uh, as a as a 34-year-old guy who's got 
um, I guess my parents are a little bit of my responsibility, you know, that I, I am taking care of your, your extended family or trying to when able, but just the thought of having that many people that are looking to you on a daily basis is like, <laughs> I need something to eat. I need, I need to have, I need to have love. I need to have shelter. I need to have guidance. I need to have like so much. It's, it's, it's a, to me, man, it says a lot about you as a person to just be able to give that much to the people around you. So I'm, it's a, I'm giving you a compliment here, but, uh, I'm, in, I'm impressed. Uh, I don't, I don't think I can handle it, but, uh, you must have a hell of a wife too, because, because I know that's not, that's like you said, it's not something you just do by yourself. And I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure you train your boys to your older boys to, to, to be responsible and get involved and, and help out with the family too, as they should. Well, and, and you know, and, and that's a sad thing about, well, let me point out real quick, uh, a little bit of a caveat. We homeschool our kids. Mm-hmm. So there is no break for Mama. Mary right. does not get to, you know, uh, our our daughter who's got uh, cerebral palsy and she's also on the spectrum. She goes to to some therapy. Sure. So we she gets a reprieve a little bit from that. But yeah, so she she homeschools all the kids. Mm-hmm. So she very very rarely gets a legit break like I do when I head off to uh, to the unit. So yeah, yeah so she's definitely. Um, yeah, she's definitely the, the orchestrator of great things. And there are times that I wonder, wow, am, am I just that big of a glutton for punishment? <laughs> but uh, I taught my boys a long time ago. Uh, I do rites of passage for them. Right. And one of the topics for Alec, my second son, when I did his was, hey, men do hard things. Yeah. Um, and like you were alluding to earlier, yeah, you train your kids to – you train your kids to be active participants in the family. Mm-hmm. So one thing, and, and this is a little bit odd for some people, and it may be a bit of a paradigm shift. My boys, when they would go to, um, when they'd head to church and maybe they're involved in, in their college group or whatever, they would have young couples that would come in with babies. And typically guys just stay away from babies. Right, right. Well. I, I was one of those guys. Okay, yeah. And, and. It's just a matter of, of upbringing and, and yeah. perspective. My boys, who are savages, they they wrestled for years. Um, they are boys' boys. Um, they, yeah, they're the first ones to grab those kids and say, "Hey, let me see that. Let, let me see sure. that little guy or that that little girl," because they they understand at least in our family, hey, children are a blessing. Yeah, they don't always feel that way, mm. um, but it's it's in, it's important for. As we're raising our kids, we're not just raising them to be adults. We're raising them to be fathers. We're raising them to to take care of families. And that doesn't mean just, hey, I'm going to provide you, uh, f- you know, whenever they get married, I'm going to provide you um, a house. I'm going to provide you food and shelter, and I'm, I'm the protector of this house. No, it's also being a nurturing father. Sure. And that is something that you have to intentionally pursue because yeah. it's – I'm not going to say we're not made that way, but it's in our culture now. It's it's counterintuitive, I think. Yeah. Um, and we do. We need to be just as nurturing as the mothers are. Mm. But because of our society, because of the bravado, hey, that's woman's work. No, I'm sorry. You know, you your kids are are you get one chance to influence this world, and your job really doesn't matter. You can kill a bunch of bad guys. You can do all the great things we do in the military and have fun. But if you're a family man. The biggest contribution you're going to give to this world is raising, um, in my perspective, um, a man that fears God, uh, 
loves his country or loves his family and, and, and loves his country is how, mm-hmm. that's how I kind of look at it. So it's on me to raise a kid that's going to be a productive member of society. Sure. You know? Sure. Yeah, just my. I'm not trying to get on a pulpit. No, preach, man. I, I mean, I want you to. It's part of the reason you're here. And 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 I like to transition to talking. You mentioned rite of passage, and I think, um, you know, this is something that me not being a a, a parent uh, yet, um, it's something that I don't have um, true weight in, right? Because I haven't had to experience the the trials and tribulations that come along with with being a parent, but. Um, I do appreciate mentorship and that's been one of my favorite parts of being in the military as an NCO, as a non-commissioned officer is helping shape and mold younger, younger guys. And there's been some, some gals too, um, in knowledge transfer and, and seeing them get it and grab it and seeing the drive and the, the willingness and the want to go out there and do good things and to, to contribute, be a member of the team, a, a valuable member of the team, right? Being an asset, not a liability. And, in today's world where I say this sometimes and it's a little bit of a dark joke, but it's, um, it's, it's well-intentioned just to make people think. And I say the world's got a lot of problems and not having enough people isn't really one of them. And I don't mean that in a way of, I don't mean that as a way of like, we should have less people. I mean, it as a way of like, we need to think about how, how we do contribute to society, how we do start using all these brains that we've got walking around to be problem solvers and not, and not adding to the problems. Right. So like how, and I feel like a big part of that is if you're having, if you have kids, how how are you bringing them up to be a problem solver and being an an addition to the world around us and not just another person that's watching Netflix, eating pizza and, and making the trash pile bigger. Right. Right. No, absolutely. (laughs) Um, but that being said, you, you do, you've done something with your kids with, uh, just with your boys, I, I think. Just with the boys right now. Uh, with the rite of passage. And that, I think, is something tribally that has been very deeply ingrained in human tradition in multiple societies for a very long time and has um, a big impact and implication of what it means to be a man or what it means to, to for, for women, too, because certain societies have had that a rite of passage there, too. Um, I mean, even looking back to the Old Testament, the, the bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah, that's kind of the intention of what that was. It's like this is your transition into manhood, into womanhood. Um, so can you speak a little bit to what what you've done with your boys and the intention behind it and, and what they face? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I would say, yeah. So so we look at the rite of passage. I, I, I do want to throw this out here right quick. Mm-hmm. Um our rite of passage is a week long, um, it, but it's the crescendo to a much greater vision. Um, I mean, we're talking about their, really their whole life. Yeah, you know, all the values that you're instilling in your child all culminate at some point into, at least in our house, to a rite of passage. But where it really is galvanized that they're going to beginning to embark on this is when they're about 12. Let me... Let me digress just just a tad sure. bit. So um, I think back in the 90s, I got to thinking, um, my dad was a good man, you know, a good hard worker. Um, and he was the best father he could be in the way that he was equipped. So um, he was out at sea a lot of times. He pushed boots, meaning um, he, was a, he was a company commander, so he was basically a TI um, and a drill sergeant, you know, drill sergeant for for guys that understand that a little bit better from the Air Force and the uh, the Army perspective. Um, 
So he's, there's a lot of hours where he was just gone. Yeah. You know? um, so I didn't always – he just wasn't always there to, to give me good guidance. But when he was there, he did the best that he could with what he was equipped to do. I, uh, there was no point – we, we look at where, where an individual becomes, you know, becomes a man. And if we look back, if we're honest about it and we look back, some of us just, just inherently, hey, I know biologically I'm a man, but I really couldn't tell you at, at, at whatever point where I was ever um, affirmed as a man, mm-hmm. I guess, if you will. Sure. Um, and some guys need that. Maybe some guys don't. I would I would argue that everybody has some benchmark where, where they can identify, okay, hey, I think at that point I might have become a man. Yeah. If we don't control the narrative um, with what our culture puts out, we're going to have young men that feel, hey, yeah, I became a man when I had that little rendezvous with the little lady down the street. Mm-hmm. That's nonsense. Right. You know, just because you can procreate doesn't, mean, doesn't make you a father. It doesn't make you a man. But yeah. if we're not careful, that's – that's what's interpreted by a lot of kids nowadays. Or, hey, um, I became a man when I started acting like an idiot doing extremely risky activities, which we can all identify with that at some point. Yeah, especially us yeah. military types. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've had plenty of reckless moments. So what I didn't want to do, there's no guarantee that my kids were ever going to join the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I didn't want to do is have, have my kids wondering, hey, at, at what point can I trace my – that, you know, that, that benchmark where I became a man. I wanted them to know it um, without a shadow of a doubt mm-hmm. and know that, hey, that, that their father had played a part in that. A lot of times in our culture, we kind of, uh, we kind of outsource some of those duties to our yeah. football coaches, our sure. wrestling coaches, or even our, our, our pastors. Yeah. You know, so. Um, Professors in college. Yeah, I- I- exactly. Which is a scary one. That, yeah, especially nowadays. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, so I started thinking back in the late 90s when I was in the Army, hey, what does this look like? Um, so over the years, you know, I, w- I would think about it and see, hey, you know, looking back, hey, what the Native Americans do. Um, there's that tribe out in Indonesia, I think it is, that jumps off the uh, – ev- and everybody's seen the videos at some point in their life. The guys that jump off the tower and they're tied off with the, a bunch the of – The original bungee jumpers. Yeah, the original yeah. bungee – yeah. Um, that was that was a, a, a uh, you know a, an exhibition of manhood right. in that culture. Um, you have the the alligator guys that mm-hmm. um, are the crocodile people, and basically when when they're young boys become men, they go ahead and they scar them, rit- mm-hmm. you know, they ritualistic scarring. Right. Um, so it's like, hey, what what's that going to look like for my kids? Because number one, if I if I if I do any ritualistic scarring, I'm going to jail. That's child abuse. <laughs> You know, if I throw them off the top of the house. As cool as it looks after it's all <laughs> healed up, it doesn't doesn't make for a good story from your kid. No, no, not at all. Um, I can't throw them off the top of the house with a bungee rope, yeah. you know. So uh, so I started piecing together this rite of passage. So when they're 12, I, I don't laugh. I, um, I give them a continuity book. Mm-hmm. And this continuity book is basically, hey, here's the STAP mission statement. This is yeah. what the STAP family is about. If you had a, if you had a kiddo, and one day I'm sure you will, if I walk up to that kid when he's 12 years old and I ask him, I say, "Hey, I'm buddies with your dad." <laughs> oh boy. What are his politics? What yeah. does he believe about God? Uh, what's he believe about life? If you've been pouring into your son consistently, he should be able to tell me, "Well, hey, this is what my dad is all about. Yeah. These are my dad's convictions. This is what my dad has trained me to be. This mm-hmm. is what my dad's perspective is on." 
on how we treat women, mm-hmm. um, on how we, you know, our perspective on education, mm-hmm. our thoughts on our country, all this stuff. Yep. Oh, we're not doing that. And in, in fact, I would invite you guys, I would invite everybody who's listening to this podcast, ask your kid, hey, what am I about? Yeah. You know, we started homeschooling our kids uh, years ago. I think when Will um, was uh, until third grade, I think we started after that, we started homeschooling him. And and I asked him, I said, hey, I think he was 16 at the time or, or 14. Why do we homeschool? Um, and I was expecting him to give me this wonderful you know, thesis on, on, on why my parents are so great <laughs> that, uh, that they're homeschooling. And you know, what, you know what his answer was? Because the public school system sucks. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. He's not getting it. That's he hasn't an opi- gotten it yet. Yeah, that may be an opinion that I hold to some degree, but that is not, that is not what I wanted conveyed. Right. And it just, it just showed that I was not speaking into my child's life why we do the things we do. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's what this continuity book is for. Hey, this is what we believe. Uh-huh. At some point, they've got to own it, and they've got to make their own decisions yeah, as to how much of that they're going to take. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so we, we do that continuity book, and at that point, usually they're about two to three years out from the physical rite of passage, the crucible, the crescendo, however you want to frame it. Mm-hmm. So we get to that point, um, and it, like I said, for us, it's a week long. They're told the day that it happens. The whole time they have no idea as to when it's going to happen. But uh, we hit them up on a Sunday because that's usually when we kick it off. And it'll be, hey, um, I'll usually tell them, I'll preempt them like a couple months out. Hey, make sure your bag is ready. Mm-hmm. You know, make sure your gear is ready because at any time within the next year, you're probably going to get your right of passage. Um, and so hopefully they've got their, their stuff packed. There's usually camping trips, you know, somewhere in that mix from the time I notify them. So there's opportunities for their for that bag, even though it may be ready to be uh, used and, and not put back together after the fact. Sure. Um, but, yeah, finally I'll tell them, hey, you know, you got one hour. This is your rite of passage, <laughs> you know. And they're, like, scrambling to get their stuff done. And then we'll embark, like I said, uh, in five to six days. Uh, I think six days is the longest that we've done. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's a challenge. They've got different things they've got to do, uh, physical activities. Um, they're, sometimes I have them constantly on the move daily, uh, moving to another objective. Then they've got time standards they've got to hit. Um, but anyway, it, it, at some point, they're just being pushed way beyond their means. Right. We're a physical family, so I'm not taking a donut-eating kid. Mm-hmm. Who's you know who's who's a little fatty and throwing them out there? Uh, don't mean to be disparaging to anybody who's got kids that are you know not a- athletically di- you know inclined. Um, we do need to make sure our kids are getting out and doing something and, yep. and getting away from the screen time and making our kids physical. Um, but anyway, so yeah, um, we go ahead and we we get them going and. Every night, you know, they'll, they'll bed down and they'll have a, another adventure for the following day. And um, I might, like I said, do it linear where they're constantly moving. Or I might do a hub and spoke mm-hmm. where we find a base camp and they just do little missions out from there um, on getting stuff done. Right. So, yeah. And then at the end, we have a giant ceremony where, right. where uh, they actually come back home. 
to mom and uh, and life is different for them for the most part yeah. and that hey the chores are different uh, they've been recognized and affirmed as a man we have a big dinner with friends and uh, you know and family and uh, and we have that you know basically we have a big ceremony where you know that distinction is made and they're honored as Mr. in Will's case Mr. William J. Stapp the fifth or or Mr. Christian Alex Stapp you know and uh, and yeah life is different after that for them yeah so sorry for talking so long no 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 <laughs> I, I mean i'm asking questions and, and i've got more so you know with this continuity book these are these are like little 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 bits and pieces of of skill sets or or lessons that not just not just uh ideology and in like the kind of core values of what the family's about but i mean is there is there stuff in here too as well as like thing things a man should know like you know, how to change your oil. I'm just using that as a silly oh, no, example. No, no. But it's, 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 so what I would, what we do is that's already kind of inherent to our family. Okay. Yeah. You know, so the kids are, are, are already changing brake pads, mm-hmm. changing the oil in their car to some, you know, to some degree. Some of these cars nowadays, I don't even touch them. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, just, I'm, yeah. I mean, again, I'm just using but, that as a silly example. Yeah. What people think of like, what should a man know how to change yeah. his own tire or whatever. But yeah, so, so all that we already do. So that's not in the continuity book. Um, for us, um, it might be, hey, okay, when it comes to women, let's face it, we have a culture where women are exploited yep. you know, to some shape and form. I don't know how extreme you want to get with that as far as equal pay or how, or how benign you want to get mm-hmm. as far as, hey, being sexually exploited, just being disrespected, things of that nature. Right. So I'll fall in the middle. My boys understand, hey, when we view a woman, hey, th- that is somebody's mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's potentially somebody's mother, mm-hmm. somebody's sister, somebody's daughter. Right. You know, and I want them to, to focus. Hey, how would you feel if some guy was being disrespectful to your mom, mm-hmm. to Eliana, to Annalise? You know, um, you'd be you'd be outraged if somebody had a nasty comment towards one of your sisters or towards your mother. Mm-hmm. So don't do that to women. We we respect and we honor women. Mm-hmm. So we're to be their protectors. Which I know there's some feminists out there that just might have a stroke about me saying that, but you want to complain about how chivalry's dead? You can't have your cake and eat it too. That's, that's so very true. That's an, that's another topic that I won't go down. But basically, yeah. You know, hey, how do how do we how do we view women? Mm-hmm. Um, another one is, hey, how how do we view education? You know, uh, education has become so political nowadays. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it, it, it is. Um, so. We basically, the kids understand, hey, we look at homeschooling as, as the primary um, as a primary methodology of, of education. I don't mm-hmm. believe in homework. Are you serious? You're going to send a kid home after having them, and I'm going to make some teachers out there angry. I love you guys. You guys uh, definitely don't make the amount of money you should. Yep. Um, so I can be a homeschooler and still respect teachers. Are people that are in in, in uh, the educational profession. However, um, you know when it comes to education, we homeschool because I don't want to put up with the constant testing. Mm-hmm. That's not education, right? That you know, and once again, that's politically driven. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that teachers and the school program are responsible for is you have this kid for six to eight hours. You're teaching them the best you can. Homework is not good family time. Right. When you come home, they're on my time. Mm-hmm. And that my time is, hey, we're going out teaching life lessons. We're fishing. 
or camping or taking a walk out in the field when there's two to three hours of homework involved. Uh, uh-uh. yeah. So that's another reason why, you know, we're, we're not subscribing to traditional education, Yeah. but the kids understand, Hey, th- these are some of the reasons why mom and dad chose to, uh, to home educate us. Not every kid, you can't take a cookie approach, cookie cutter approach to education. So I've got one, son will and he'll and, and and he won't be offended by, by me saying this he would take all day to do his schoolwork mm-hmm. all day i mean if i let if i would let him do schoolwork till six at night he would do that we would go ahead and cut it back hey you need to be done by this time because your lackadaisical attitude towards it you need you need a sense of purpose you need um you need some initiative and, and some diligence to just say hey i'm going to get this done in a timely manner um to where alec my second son would be done with school by lunchtime so he could be out in the field chasing snakes, out in the woods on the property. So each sure. kid is so incredibly different. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that's why we, we, you know, we prefer to do home education. And that's one of the things that the kids are, are uh, you know, are taught about as far as within the staff family, why we do the things we do. Um, keep me on track. Um, yeah. In so, my fifties, I, I tend to. Work I'm sorry. <laughs> you got, no, that answers my question about like the continuity book. So it's really it's really about core values and things of that nature. So yeah. when they when they go out on on their rite of passage, they're I mean they're being tested physically, you yes. know, to to their limits. But what are some I guess some of the tasks that they're they're being asked to complete? So when it came down to uh, when it was. When it was my oldest son, Will, we weren't quite sure. It's the first time we'd done it. Yeah. We're kind of like, hey, what's the threshold? Mm-hmm. Um, what is – it's one thing to sit there and push your kid. We've, all, we, we've seen it on the football field. We've seen it on, on the soccer field. Parents that push their kids way further than what they need to be doing. Sure. So you're trying to find, hey, what's, what's that balance where I'm not just being – schmuck yeah you want your kid you don't want your kid to hate you yeah exactly exactly i think of the tiger woods example right where his dad was so almost maniacal about getting him to be a good golfer that he was you know calling him the n-word on the sidelines of why he's trying to putt and stuff like that with a good intention that like hey people are going to mess with you in life but i mean i don't i mean that's got that's got deep implications down the road that you know yeah. if you're there's semblance of, of hate and resentment for for one of your caretakers. Yeah, good intent, poor execution. Right, exactly. Um, so obviously, you know, you know your kids' physical abilities. So um, with Will, um, uh, you know, he had to go make a certain time running down through this certain trail, a little bit of land nav to it, mm-hmm. uh, to get his first hatchet. You know, okay. When I did Will's. Ideally, I did Wills at like 14. Mm-hmm. So he's young enough that it's kind of, for lack of a better term, there's some magic to it. Sure. Yeah, it's where once you, and I've done them as late as 16 and 17, and it's kind of like, all right, Dad, this isn't very cool. Okay. <laughs> you know? So I think that, that that sweet spot is like probably probably 15 is okay. the age to do it. But uh, but yeah, so there, there's some land nav in it. So there's there's that, hey, going out. Because inherently, the kids have learned how to land nav through all our camping. Mm-hmm. You know, they've learned their firecraft. They learned all these field, you know, all these field skills um, from years and years of experience that we've had in the military, learning stuff. At least within within the the the, the soft world, um, in our experience at survival school and all that stuff, and just being outdoor enthusiasts. So they'll be given tasks as to hey, go out and do this, or hey, build this fire within a certain amount of a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. you know, um, the 
the biggest one that, that I have found, just like with, you know, if you look at, at special operations, the ability to do something long term and to maintain your focus and to see it through to the end is, uh, is really big. So sure. with us, you know, the seals that swim and hey, that water is a horrible thing. It's wonderful. But when you're having to swim, you know, a really long distance, the suck factor goes up. Oh, yeah. So in my case with the boys, it's just getting the mileage in. Mm-hmm. So when you look at Will's Rite of Passage, I think we ended up doing like 40 to 50 miles. Over the course of a week. Over the course of, over the course of a week. And some of it was kayaking and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So you can probably, can probably scratch out about eight miles of okay. traveling on a river. So he ended up doing like 42 miles on foot. Yeah. Um, with Alec... We were out. We were out in Vegas. We ended up doing a. Um, I ended up when I went RPAs. I had joined a unit that I knew was coming back to Florida. It was mm-hmm. a geographically separated unit, so I already knew that unit was was coming back to Florida. So when I signed up, told the family, "Hey, I know you guys are a bunch of Floridians. This is all you've known, but we're going to relocate to Alamogordo, New Mexico, and then we're going to relocate to to Las Vegas until until the unit comes back." Yeah, and you know. Let me make this point. Homeschooling, there's the flexibility to do what you want when you want. So we packed up the kids, and we were able to go, you know, to Las Vegas for nine months. Mm-hmm. So I did his right of pa- I did Alex's right of passage out there, and that was 70 miles out in the desert, constantly moving. Um, it was cool to go from from Will's that was, you know, Florida swamp, mm-hmm. needle pine, and all that, um, to to the desert. Yeah, so it was distinctly different. Right. Yeah, and he, him, we did seventy miles, which ended in a, uh, you know, in, in trying to summit um, a mountain just north of uh, just north of Vegas. So um, that was pretty pretty unique and special. Uh, with Josh, uh, my my third son, uh, once again, what's the mileage factor? Will went a total of fifty. Alec went 70. I'm starting to realize, okay, I can push my kids a bit harder. They're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh, we ended up doing like 120 miles. Wow. Yeah. His, <laughs> yeah. He, he, his was, his was constantly moving. It was more linear, just like, uh, just like Alex was. Did the boys one up each other? Like, yeah, well, my rite of passage was, you know what? And, and, uh, <laughs> they do, they do. They, they, they understand that, Hey, each person's right of passage and, 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 and they're raised with this. Cause, uh, my 11 year old right now, Gabriel, you know, they look for, at this point after we did the first one, everybody's looking forward to that day when they get to do their right of passage Good. and what's it going to look like? Cause we keep it secret sure. for the most part. Um, but yeah, so, so I always tell them, Hey, every, everybody has certain strengths and certain weaknesses mm-hmm. And that's what I'll focus on during your rite of passage. So really, the mileage and all this stuff is, is irrelevant. And so far, they, they've understood that, and they don't tend to poke each other with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, I think the fact that, that Josh went 120 miles, I think the older boys are like, well, yeah, you probably did something to deserve that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay. It's choose, part of it is choose your own adventure, right? Uh, to some degree. I mean, if you walk around in circles, you walk around in circles, you're at it. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and it's all mileage. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? So, um, so yeah, did, did that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, it does. Okay. It does Once again, does. I get off on a tangent. No, yeah. I apologize. So I, I know there's some people who are going to be listening to this that are going to go, this is crazy. Like oh, we yeah. don't, we live in the year 2022, you know, we don't, we, we don't do this to kids anymore. We just send kids to college, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, I'm curious, like what, what kind of feedback do your boys give you? What did they, what did they tell you after the experience was over after the, their, sir? And I don't really want to ask you about the ceremony piece of it. Cause I think that's kind of private. And I think, I think you should, you should keep that right. uh, close to the chest. Cause I, I think that's a, a very important, intimate piece of it. But what, what do your boys say after they're done? Well, they're no longer boys, they're men and they, yeah. they get done with this. What kind of feedback do they say? You know, that was the worst thing I ever did in my life. I never want to do that again. Do they say, holy crap, I feel like I did something? Do, I, do they say, thank you, Dad? Do they say, I never want to see you again, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> what do they say? So um, so the cool thing is, is, and I actually had the opportunity. You know, I, I've asked them over the years. We have a pretty open relationship um, as far as communication goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there are times that, that through my tenure as a father, I've done some, some jacked up stuff, and any father can say this. You know, with my with my, I've had to apologize to my older boys and just saying, "Hey, there were times." And this is right of passage, unrelated. Um, there were times I was just, I was a jerk when I was in the army. My wife will tell you, I was a schmuck. Um, and and there were times where I was way too hard on my older boys, and 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 at no point should any father be so arrogant that he can never go back and apologize to Mm. his kids. In fact, I encourage it. Sure. Because you're not perfect. You're going to screw stuff up. And your kid can appreciate you coming back and saying, hey, remember how I parented you during this, maybe these specific years, whatever. Hey, I'm sorry for being such a jerk. Mm -hmm. That's something tangible that's going to create connectivity with your kids, the the open honesty. Um, With that being said, they've always, everybody's always looked forward to the rite of passage. uh, Except for Will, because Will was it was the first time this was new to the family in general, so he was genuinely scared and tried to convince me because he always tried to talk his way out of things if he didn't agree with the necessity of math or why he should be, you know, uh, doing whatever. Okay. Uh, so he tried. Yeah, he tried. To, he tried to sit here and rationalize how he right. didn't need to do a rite of passage to become a man. I'm like, you know how this is going to end. Just suck <laughs> it up and do it. Right. Yes, sir. Um, but anyway. I was asked by a buddy to come out and to speak to a group out in Texas, uh, specifically about rite of passage. And the older boys have jobs, and one was in college, so I couldn't just say, hey, come with me and let's go do this together. Um, so I asked him, I said, hey, what, what do you want me to convey? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with, with, the, with the two oldest boys, it's like, hey, I, I appreciated the reaffirmation of, of our faith and how our faith was laced throughout this whole process, mm. even into the, the crescendo of the, of the rite of passage, um, which some guys of faith can't identify with that. So right. although that's special and that's what I wanted for my boys, because that's one of the most important things in, uh, in our family, uh, what was tangible to the broad po- population or the broad audience in general was, uh, was, was Joshua. So he was the third rite of passage I did. He was the one that went 120 miles. Um, he said, hey, he said that the biggest thing I got out of rite of passage was when life gets hard and you're wondering and the gas tank is empty, you know, and you're thinking you can't do any more, there's always some mm. more gas in the tank. Yep. And I'm like, holy cow. Well, well said. Yep. And, um, yeah, and, and him – it was amazing because, like I said, on the on the last day, um, he did a 12-mile road march out, and he was doing a 12-mile road march back. He did he did on average about about uh, 20 miles a day. 
It's a lot. It is. And most especially for a teenager. Yeah. And most most guys in the military will never yeah. do that kind of a mileage. Yeah. So the benchmark for my boys is pretty high. The cool thing was, well, I told them I was in Afghanistan at the time and uh, we would talk on the phone occasionally. I told them, Hey, get your get your permit, get your range permit. Mm-hmm. Um I got mine online, told them, hey, you can do it online. Uh, get mom's credit card, because it runs like 20 bucks. But get your range permit. Oh, yes, sir, yes, sir. Well, he didn't get his range permit, and I didn't double-check him. So the last day, uh, and they, they had comm checks that they would have to do. Mm-hmm. Well, he misses the first comm check. Hey, not a big issue. It becomes an issue if he misses his second or his third one, just like in the military. Hey, don't miss your comm checks, right? Mm-hmm. So he misses the second one. Well, at that point, I'm in the vehicle, and I'm driving down Range Road on the, you know, here on the Eglin Reservation. And sure enough, he's stopped by a couple of range, range patrol guys. Fortunately for me, those guys were also former Marines. Mm-hmm. So I pull up, and, uh, and, and they're like, and Josh is sitting off on the side. And, uh, you know, we had a little bit of a conversation, me and the range patrol guys, because there's a couple things I didn't agree with. And... Uh, you know, we, I was just venting some of my frustration with them, but all in all, the fact came down that Josh didn't have his didn't have his his range pass. So I told him, I said, "Hey, I, I'll square this away." But the guys are like, "What are you doing?" You know, and, and uh, so anyway, we end up eating up about two hours. So Josh is not going to make his his twelve miles in time that we're going to finish it out on the river and then, you know, end this whole thing. Um, and we and I had a very specific timeline I wanted to follow. So uh, finally those guys release us, and I tell Josh, he's got his backpack on. It's like, hey, this is not how this was supposed to go down. Give me your pack. You're going to run this thing out. Mm-hmm. And we're still 10 miles that we probably got. That young man, and I'm wondering, hey, am I going to break him? You know, is he okay? Mm-hmm. Well, let's find out. You know, threw his backpack in the back, and that boy ran. That boy ran 10 miles. He wow. didn't stop. Um, and he probably ran consistently, yeah. usually about three to four miles a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at one point he says, hey, can I stop and go to the bathroom? Well, yeah, go do you. Go do you. Um, but he did. He ran 10 miles. I had no idea he was capable of that. Guess what? He had no idea that he was capable of that. And he was the one that, that had said when it was all said and done, when there's nothing left in the gas tank, mm-hmm. guess what? There's always something left. It's awesome. What a life lesson. And how yeah. many guys, how many young men are cheated out of life lessons? Sure. Because they've never been tested. Never been tested. Football ain't going to do it. No. Wrestling might do it. I'm a little bit biased. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, I think in general, we don't test our kids to that extreme. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, now... I am saying, hey, if, if you're going to do something like this, you need to be in tune and not to be a jerk about it. Right. You know, be responsible about it. Um, know when you need to grade on a curve. D- you know, um, keep your, what is it? Keep your, oh, shoot, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to jack this one up. What is it? Keep, keep your standards high, but your expectations low. Okay, sure. You know, because uh, they're kids, mm-hmm. you know. And, yeah, the whole point is is to give them that, that benchmark where, hey, they become a man during this period of time ceremoniously. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, be responsible about it. Be smart about it. You know? Yeah. So. Very cool. 
Yeah, it's it's exciting. I, I love talking about it. It's well, exciting stuff. You've you've got a, a YouTube video up of of one of them, don't you? I do. So uh, I'm terrible about. I mean, at some point I thought, hey, you know, Rite of Passage is gonna is gonna take off, and I'll be a consultant and all that stuff. Well, yeah. there's there's more people who are doing stuff like this. Um, it's there is there is a there's a community of of people growing who who believe that we need to start, yeah. you know, putting our our young people through a rite of passage. So you're not alone. Yeah. Um, so on YouTube, and I think if you look up, if you look up Joe Stapp, mm-hmm. um, and you look up uh, right of right of passage, of the film. I don't market this stuff much yeah. anymore. Basically, they're just nostalgic uh, for for me and my family. Um, but you can find you can find the video and, mm-hmm. and that that second movie. It's about an hour. I want to say it's probably about eighty minutes long, oh, but wow. it's all broken down into like. 10 to 15 minute bites, mm-hmm. you know, so they can actually view mm-hmm. what we did with a rite of passage, Yeah, you know, um, and kind of get an idea. And, and, uh, you know, I'm a guy that, Hey, by all means, they can always contact me and I'd love to maybe give some input or, yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, Hey, shout out to, to Dane Tosi, a buddy of ours. Um, he's setting up a company called uh, Cardinal adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I had the, uh, I wish I had the website. Um, I don't, but anyway, uh, we're actually looking at doing. I had him help out with my last rite of passage. Okay. So uh, with Isaac, once again, I did a hub and spoke approach to it. Mm-hmm. Um, he had some dietary things that we really needed to follow. So um, if you've got some kids that have some some special needs or some special requirements, right? And, and uh, in Isaac's case, um, a lot of his were dietary. Mm-hmm. So he'll push, and we had this conversation earlier. He'll push really hard. Um, but he also has major crashes mm-hmm. after the fact. So we got to kind of be careful on how hard we push him. Um, that being said, he got as much mileage in, I think, as Alec did. So mm-hmm. he, I think he pressed, he pushed 50 to 60 miles, I think. Um, but um, so we had Cardinal Adventures come in, and there are a bunch of Sear Bubbas, you mm-hmm. know. So uh, for you guys that don't understand Sear, that's your, your, the Air Force's survival, uh, survival, evade, resist, and. Escape. Escape, yes. Um, they're, the, they're the guys that teach that. And so they came in, um, and they actually had some training blocks. He does jujitsu, so he mm-hmm. got to roll with our buddy Ando. So uh, so there was a little bit of combatives in there. Cool. Um, the funny thing was, I guess, uh, he's always barefoot, Isaac is. So he, he was you know, going through the woods, going through the swamps barefoot. I think at some point we made him put on some shoes. Okay. Just to be safe, but the kid's always out in our woods barefoot. Drives mm-hmm. me nuts. But anyway, uh, so yeah, um, Tosi and, uh, and Ando with uh, Cardinal Adventures, they, uh, they supplemented a lot of good stuff for me uh, and helped out, which was great. And it was mainly teaching, teaching a lot of survival stuff, mm-hmm. um, a little bit more advanced than what I've taught my boys. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I would highly, highly recommend... Um, checking out cardinal adventures yeah when we when we release this podcast episode we'll we'll put a link to the youtube video and we'll we'll find a link for uh, those yeah. guys too at cardinal as absolutely well. yeah so cool. i do think you, you had talked about uh you talked about parenting yeah and um and your kids not hating you after the fact <laughs> yeah I, I think i always raise my boys hey i'm not your buddy yeah there's going to be a time where we're going to be friends but right now the responsibility is on my shoulders to raise you to be a good, faithful man mm-hmm. that's going to be a loving husband 
uh, and a loving father, more so than anything else. I don't care if you're a doctor or a lawyer, you know, or a freaking trash man. As long as you're a good tax-paying citizen, <laughs> I, I feel like I've done good by society. Um, but um, I always told him, hey, I'm not your buddy. So that conversation uh, came up probably a couple months ago and, and how much the boys said, hey, how much we they appreciated, it was both the older boys, how much they appreciated that perspective. Because mm-hmm. we're, I'd say they're, they're, they're now my best friends. They're adults. Yeah. They're married. They have kids. Um, and have my kids walk through my door knowing, okay, gee, I, I, I didn't do anything so bad that they hate my guts. Yeah. Uh, it's just the most uplifting thing to have my boys walk through the door and know, hey, even even in my um, even in my fallibility, my uh, my fallibility, or, or you know, I didn't screw things up so bad that I destroyed relationships with them. Right. I did have them say, I guess they, uh, and I and I gotta watch this film again. You remember watching Major Pain? Yeah. Up? Okay. I'm gonna make you strong. <laughs> <laughs> So I haven't watched that movie since the 90s. Yeah. Apparently, my boys and their they, they get together with a bunch of their buddies. Oh, they, they, they call and you they watch that movie, and they said their, their buddies were just cracking up, having a blast. Meanwhile, those two are looking at each other and said, you guys think this is funny. This is our, yeah, this is our life. This like, is how we raised. I'm like, wait a minute. Are you serious? Uh, yeah, I'm uh-huh. so sorry. I'm going to watch the movie again and see. Yeah, yeah. Well, there, I mean... <laughs> It's yeah, funny, but yeah. I, uh, I think there's, I mean, I think anybody whose who's dad was probably military has some, there's some part of that culture that comes into your, that comes into your parenting. There's got to be. Um, my dad was like in and out of the Air Force super quick. He was like, you know, it was the Vietnam days and he, he didn't want, he didn't want to go to Vietnam and he, he got out. But even then there were some things that like from some remnants from boot camp that even got put in my childhood too. That I didn't recognize <laughs> until I was an adult, you know, and, and in the military and saw certain things. But, um, you know, it's, I think just, just hearing that, you know, I think that's part of it growing up and becoming an adult too, is looking back and realizing that your parents are like imperfect people, you yeah. know, and accepting them and still loving them. But despite their, those imperfections and those, you know, a little for everybody, it's a little bit different. I mean, there's some parents out there that are really bad and they may never get forgiveness from, from their kids. But I think for the majority of us, like accepting that you're just like, you know, as, as, as adults, we're just, we're basically just big kids trying to figure it out too. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. There's no instruction manual. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. There isn't. Well, you know, you got good dads like you that, that come out there and actually provide some some <laughs> some substance and, and some at least some guidance, which which I think is so awesome. I, you know, don't know what's on my horizon in my future, but if I if I ever have kids, I think this is something similar that I want to implement um, in their future. Um, I'm curious, have you thought about doing it with your daughters or any kind of maybe modified version or, or a tailored version? version of it that may maybe is more I don't know maybe some input from your wife and ha- what she thinks might be because I, I know it's this is a very masculine thing right talking about this yeah. the physical challenge but um you know there's there's some there's some things that women are going to have to face in life and especially in today's world that are very hard and challenging too you know and I, so initially my answer was no if you'd mm-hmm. asked me this you know years ago I probably would have said no I, I had a conversation with my wife uh, Mary, and, and she's a very practical lady. Mm-hmm. She's very no-nonsense. 
um, major introvert. Um, she says what she means and means what she says. So, uh, so we were talking one time. Hey, um, what are your what are your thoughts? And she's pretty traditional for the most part, mm -hmm. which is one of the things that, that I do appreciate about her. Um, I asked her what her thoughts were on doing a rite of passage, and she says, mm -hmm. "You know what? It's unique that." Um, Male, masculinity is under attack today, yeah. culturally. Um, but when you look at it, you know, that's what we have the Me Too moment because, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of women that are under attack nowadays just uh, based on our culture and, and things of that nature. But she says, you know, to where boys don't always have something that reminds them that they're men. Right. You know, other than maybe, you know, their peers and all that. Women are reminded every month. Every month, yeah. Yeah, that, sure. hey, <laughs> you know. So it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. However, and that and that's not to be misogynistic. That's uh, that was coming from my wife. Um, but I do think nowadays you're seeing women. There's a breed of woman out there that we didn't have 10, yeah. 20 years ago. Absolutely. You know, and so I look at like I look at Eliana, and I'm considering. Hey, I may not. I may do a week with her out in the woods. I I don't know. Um, does she need that to be reaffirmed as a young woman? Um, maybe not, but dot, dot, dot. I need to do something with her. Right. Even if it's, uh, you know, because I don't want my daughter ever to ever be a victim. Mm -hmm. You know, um, not, and I'm not saying because she's black or, or whatever, but I don't want her to ever be a, a physical victim. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, there's, there's combatives that, uh, that uh, you know, to teach her. There's, there's so many things to do on just situational awareness and all right. that. Same as I do my boys. But I, I guess, I don't know. I, I, I'm pretty sure I will. Yeah. Better safe than sorry. Sure. Better, you know, I don't ever want my daughter coming back to me when she's in her 30s and saying, hey, you did all these great things with my brothers. Mm -hmm. What, do I have a third eye on my forehead that you didn't want to do these things with me? So, um, have you so asked her if she, if she wants to go through it or she would probably say no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, mean, yeah. Yeah. I'm almost asking cause maybe she doesn't want she's, anything to do with it. Yeah. And, and it's kind of odd. She's, she's, uh, she's, uh, she's big into cooking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's 13. So she still has, um, a lot of development to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mentally. She's still into kind of into princesses and, and kind of that stuff. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, you asked that question, and it's a legit, a legit question, and I don't have a legit answer. Sure. I, I will probably do something, because like I said, based on that one thing, I don't ever want her coming back and thinking, hey, did you think I was a second-class citizen? Mm -hmm. You know, that I didn't want to do something like that yeah. either. And even if I had asked Will the first time, well, in fact, we did. He made it very clear that he didn't need to do something like that. So, but he did it anyway, mm -hmm. you know, and sure. he's glad that he did. Yeah. So I, I think I think we'll end up doing we will do something. Yeah, I can guarantee it. Yeah. I'm just not sure how intense it needs to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do want her to have a resiliency just like the boys is to have sure. having that, that sense of accomplishment. Yeah, absolutely. Although I think it's different when it comes to affirming a young woman. I think boys uh, need more than ever to be affirmed as men when that yeah. time comes. Yeah, I agree psychologically. So, I think yeah. men, or boys have something. I mean, this is why we see, we see boys do this, right? Like if, 
the word toxic masculinity gets thrown a lot around a lot now yeah. in today's culture, right? And some people, I think, really bastardize that into thinking that all masculinity is toxic. But in my opinion, and from what I've seen in my life, and I'm sure you've seen it too, what toxic masculinity is, is when men influence boys or or developing young men in a direction that's destructive, that yeah. is that is not in alignment with what the positive aspects of masculinity is, right? And we see this in gangs. We see this in dictatorships. We see this we see this in, you know, in wars that are started in 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 terrible horrendous uh you know, human tragedy type ways. So I think the the best thing that you can do for a, a young man growing up is give him affirmations and give him tests that put him that show him that the the righteous path is worth worth fighting for and worth and worth taking even if it is harder absolutely right? i mean i hate to use a star wars reference but i'm a nerd so i will right like but the the path to the dark side is the easy path yeah. right the, taking the righteous path taking the 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 path that's the right direction is the harder one and that's why less people take it yeah no you're absolutely right and i do i would encourage everybody um find a transcendent cause mm-hmm. obviously every every rite of passage i've done is faith-based mm-hmm. because that's the most important thing in, in, in the shaping of my of my children is uh, is our faith. So we have this transcendent um, purpose that we do. So you may be an atheist, you may be an agnostic, uh, you know, whatever the case might be. If you're going to do a rite of passage, it's not enough to just give your kids challenges. There has to be some transcendent purpose that's being driven home. Sure. So I agree. whether whatever that might look like, make sure your rite of passage mm. has a transcendent purpose. Right. You know, um, otherwise it's just a fun camping trip mm-hmm. where your kid did a bunch of things and made these certain benchmarks. And yeah, they, they, they'll mean something to them. But I think what what uh, I think one of the things that that really impacts the, the first two boys who they had alluded to this was um, the discipleship and however you disciple them and whatever, for whatever purpose, whatever that transcendent causes, the, the discipleship is crucial. The rite of passage is just the, the icing on the cake. It's, right. it's, it's the cherry and, and, and the chocolate shake, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the reason why you're doing it, mm-hmm. you know? In, in shaping these young men into whatever your family's mission statement is. And if you don't have a family mission statement, hey, figure one out. Sure. Any any profitable business is going to have a mission statement. Absolutely. Any yeah, any any unit that's effective on the battlefield right. has got a mission statement. Yeah. Any family, our families are so fragmented with our with our purpose. Um, it's okay. You're not brainwashing your kids. Believe me, if you can say I'm brainwashing my kids, but I guarantee you if my kids are are subscribing to the current culture, they're being brainwashed. So, right. So wh- which is better? Yeah. Me shaping the young, the, the, you know, the, the minds of my or, children or, TikTok. or somebody else. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Or TikTok, yeah. So um, make sure that, that uh, to you guys out there, if you do a rite of passage, find what that transcendent cause is. Mm. Find out what that mission statement is for your family. And uh, in... And, you know, build your rite of passage around that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man, I think, I think that right there is pretty good, 
pretty good parting words, pretty good, pretty good closure. Unless there's anything else you really wanna you wanna have for for parting or parting piece, but we've we've gone over an hour now. And we've touched on some great stuff. So, um, yeah, this has been a blast. Cool. I, I enjoyed this. Awesome, um, man. So. Well, I'm glad we could do it. You're you're thinking about stepping into the podcasting world yourself. I am. I hope that you do at least at least give it a, you know like ten episodes to see what the response is and how you like doing it. Um, I I will be glad to promote it on my end for the little bit of little bit of outreach and a little bit of follow following that I have to uh, to try to push people to you. And uh, I I think you can definitely uh, have some great conversations with people. Uh, whether it's around parenting, whether it's around faith, whether it's around life experience, whether it's about being a positive member or community com- contributing member of your community. Uh, you've got good stuff to say, man. I'm sure the people that you'll have on as guests will too. So I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. And this has been uh yeah, this has been a big eye opener. So yeah. I definitely appreciate you being gracious enough to have me on here. Yeah. Anytime, and, man. Uh, if you ever want to come back for part two, we'll do it too. Hey, you let me know. Cool. It sounds I'm good. Game man. for it. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks yet again to my guest, Joe Stapp, for coming on the podcast. Joe, I apologize for this episode being released a little bit late. We've had some conversation about it, my man. But as you know, we've both had a busy 2022. But I'm glad to finally get it out there. If this podcast has made you a little more curious about a possible rite of passage for someone that you know, a family member, one of your children, or maybe just kind of want to know more about it, you can go ahead and head over to YouTube and type in Joe Stapp, that's the last name, S-T-A-P-P, Rite of Passage, and you can see some of the videos that Joe has posted, taking his own boys through the wilderness and giving them a rite of passage. It's certainly not a path for everyone to do, but certainly I'm a firm believer that there are many traditions that we've had throughout human history that have importance for ourselves psychologically, biologically, and other reasons. And I think rite of passage is something that I'm hopefully going to be incorporating into my own life someday when I'm a father, if I happen to be so blessed. If you've enjoyed the Warrior Monk podcast, I'd please invite you to go over to wherever you found this podcast, Google, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, somewhere else. Leave it a review. I'd love to hear it. If it's a positive review, of course, if it's constructive feedback, we'll always take that into account as well. Please go ahead and head over to Facebook and Instagram. Give the pages for the Warrior Monk podcast a like and a share. And feel free to always send me a direct message if you're interested in a certain type of content or if you want to start a discussion to be on the podcast as well. I love having conversations with people. This is why I do this. So guys, thank you for, again, as always, for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for your continued patience in uh, the slow stream of content that's come out. But I am planning on doing more. There is a plan. There is a structure for more Warrior Monk content coming in the future. So I appreciate you sticking with me. Last but not least, let's continue to grow through balance. That's what it's all about. This is Lance signing out.